This, the 215th episode of the Juice Box Podcast, is sponsored by Dexcom, Omnipod, and Dancing for Diabetes. You can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box, dexcom.com forward slash juice box, or dancing the number four diabetes.com to find out more. There are also links in your show notes right there in your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com. Longtime listeners know that I don't do a lot of prep for the podcast. I like it to be conversational. And 99 times out of 100, that works out really well. Now, I don't know if you remember Adam Brown. He was here on episode 114 to tell us about his book. Adam wrote a great book called Bright Spots and Landmines, The Diabetes Guide I Wish Someone Had Handed Me. And like I said, back on episode 114, he came on, he told us all about it. Well, about six months ago, Adam asked if he could come back on again and, you know, remind a whole new audience and, you know, other people who may have forgotten about this book, which is free, by the way. It's, you'll, you'll find out why as you're reading, but it's a, a really great diabetes management tool. So I wanted to have Adam back on, but I didn't want to talk about the same thing again. You know, didn't want it to be repetitious or boring. And so I just thought, oh, I'll go like all, you know, into the back of my mind and we'll do stream of consciousness with Adam. We'll just chit chat. Turns out I was like shot out of a cannon when that happened. And so for about the first 20 minutes of this podcast, I am just free associating with my thoughts about insulin pricing. And I think it gets a little weird. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to always consult a physician before making any changes to your medical plan or becoming bold with insulin. So poor Adam comes on the podcast thinking he's going to just remind us about his book and we'll chit chat about some things in it. And my brain just goes full on in a different direction. I had come right from a conversation where I was trying to figure out how to talk about the problem of insulin pricing on the podcast. And that's a topic that presents a lot of issues because I I want to cover it completely, understanding all of the sort of like moving parts of the of the bigger issue. At the same time, I definitely think that insulin is um, incredibly overpriced. Uh, to compound the problem, you want to have somebody from a pharma company talk about it, but it seems pretty difficult to get one of them to come on and have the discussion. And there's a certain group of people who you know just think that if you're not advocating for free insulin that you're just not on the side of people with diabetes. And I don't I don't necessarily believe any of those are 100% true. And I, I'd love to have the conversation, but I just don't know how. Anyway, I had just literally gotten off the phone talking about that with somebody. And we went right into this with Adam. And my brain just went like, Pfft. so there's a lot of free associating in here. <laughs> um, I pull it together pretty quickly. And this becomes a really great conversation with Adam. But there are a couple minutes here in the beginning where you're going to need to forgive me for just saying random things. I think it was just the end of my last conversation bleeding into this conversation. And it was unfair to Adam and I stinks because he, at points he was just like, I don't want to answer any of the things you're saying because I'm not sure what you're doing. I may have sounded crazy for a couple of minutes. Please take that as an indication of how much I think this conversation needs to be brought to light and how much I don't know how to do that. That's why I find it frustrating. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. 
Well, you've had an incredible amount of success with your book. Yeah, it's been a good ride. It's really fun. I absolutely believe that. We're recording already. I'll, I'll introduce you later. You don't have to do that. When you reached back out and you were like, hey, I want to do this again, where are you at with the book right now? Like, is it, is it into a different phase or are you just trying to keep it going or what's the idea? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's keeping it going. Um, we've gotten over 80,000 copies out, but as you know, um, almost 4,000 people are diagnosed with diabetes every day. Um, most of those type two, obviously, but there's just, there's so many people, terrible advice that have never heard of CGM that, um, you know, I've never been told that sleep matters. And so I, I think we, we sort of think of it like a last mile. How do you get something that seems to work really well mm-hmm. into the hands of more people that could benefit? And uh, releasing the audiobook, which was a way bigger project than I imagined, is kind of the next attempt to do that. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a great ride. No kidding. Well, well first of all, and, and it should not in any way be uh, overlooked 80,000 copies of a book had you not did done this the way you did which is you guys are i mean how how do you really handle it the book is the book free in kindle form it's free on pdf it's a dollar 99 on kindle and it's uh $5.78 on amazon and then the audiobook we actually and the great thing is because we self published um, all of those prices are the lowest they can be as a nonprofit, so we can um, price it at cost, which is awesome. So yeah, I mean, you're at, at that cost for the for the consumer, it's basically free. And I mean, seriously, like five dollars for a book is is incredible. Five dollars for a book that will be valuable to you is incredible. Had you not self published, though, Adam, do you ever think about it? Eighty thousand copies, you would be like a New York Times bestseller. Yeah, I um, I think self publishing was totally the right call for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in part, I, it probably would have sold way less copies as a, you know, whatever, sixteen ninety nine hardback or whatever it might be. Yeah. So to me, I mean, I, we might've talked about this in the first conversation, but when I had the epiphany that like the point is to help as many people as possible, self-publishing was such a logical choice. Oh, I, um, I even, yeah. Yeah. I, I just I'm I'm a little I, I'm a little sad that you didn't get the accolades because it, uh, that's a huge people don't understand that you don't need to sell that many books to be a bestseller like reading's not what it used to be and yeah so, and so that would have been amazing but the other part of it that strikes me as you say that is imagine for sixteen dollars I don't care about my health that much but I can care for five dollars like there, there's a there's a tipping point where somebody might say no nah, I'll give it a shot yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll give it a shot right like that really is it's an interesting look into um, the psychology of investing in your own health. It really is. It, yeah. It just genuinely is. And I bump into it all the time personally. Um, we just like, you know, I, I joked with somebody the other day in a podcast episode and they were talking about how they couldn't bring themselves to change their pump when they needed to. And so they didn't, yeah. they didn't have insulin for a while. And I said, I said, I had a headache recently and I couldn't bring myself to walk across the room to get a leave. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. what is that? Like, what, what, where, where's the number? But, but, so you, the, yeah. the good you did there was you priced it so low that you found the space where people go, all right, I'll try. Yeah. 
and that is that's really the the kindness in 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 how you guys handled this honestly that because you knew that you knew somebody was going there was going to be a tipping point and instead of trying to guess where it was just let everybody let it be access accessible to everybody yeah right. yeah exactly cool so what kind of feedback are you i mean 80,000 copies you must have heard back from a number of people what's the uh, feedback been about, been like have you learned anything through it well it's funny as we're we're talking about pricing, I've actually heard from many people, at least 10 to 20 that said, like, I couldn't do $5. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for making it available for free. Yeah. So that that was just like yet enough, not that we need more reminders, but sometimes we do about cost and how hard it is in diabetes. Just the number of people who've said, hey, like, five, six bucks was still a challenge. And so I really appreciate the free version. And And so when we, you know, when we hear about cost of insulin, cost of devices. Um, I always try to remember that. Um, so I think that, that was just one that you made me think of, but it's, I'm really glad that I put my email address in the the introduction to the book Mm -hmm. because, uh, I get to hear all, you know, people's really, really cool stories from, you know, people just diagnosed like two weeks ago, all the way to, I got a typed, written letter from an endocrinologist who's had diabetes 72 years. So he was diagnosed in the 1940s, um, type one. And so you just see such a spectrum and I'm sure you get it on the podcast too, but it's just, it's such a wonderful reminder of people's different, uh, situations in life and problems and challenges with diabetes and toolkits and, uh, so it's been, it's been tremendous. And I think the, the thing that's always surprising too, is there's, I think there's a lot of people that lurk. So, you know, 80,000 copies, that's a lot of people, but the number of people you actually hear from is more like 1% of them, or maybe like half of 1% of them. It's that, so. it's that, um, uh, a long time ago, I was doing something in a pharma company and they called me in and said, uh, they, they wanted to talk to me. And I said, I was brought in for lunch and I sat down at a lunch table and this person put this folder in front of me and it had to have honestly been eight inches thick, just Uh papers and, and flops it down. And they said, uh, would it surprise you to know that you have the 36th most popular diabetes blog in the, on the internet? And I said, Uh I said, yes, unless there's like, 37 of them and then no that makes more <laughs> sense to me you know and uh because i didn't think of it like that back then and i wasn't keeping any track of it and and it was that whole feeling of like wow there's somebody paying attention to all of this i didn't i didn't realize that mm. I, I didn't recognize that it was being looked at i didn't realize there was a lot i didn't realize about what was going on adam and and so they took me they took me by surprise i didn't realize how many people i was reaching Yeah. Like, because when I saw my number, I just assumed that, you know what I mean? Like when I saw my downloads or my clicks or whatever, I just thought, well, then Curry Sparling must have 8 million more than I do. Right. Right. Like this must just be the average number you get if you put a website online. This is what happens. And, and what it did was it changed my perspective about how I speak to people. Like I, before, Mm. before it just felt a little like, oh, here's my whimsical thoughts. And then I realized, no, I'm talking to more people than I thought. I have a real responsibility here. Yeah. Right, right. It didn't, it didn't strike me at first like that. And now it does. And even when we talk about, like, I'm bringing this up to go back to pricing, because when I, when I hear about a conversation about insulin pricing, my first, like, human reaction is the same as everyone else's human reaction. 
It should it should be incredibly affordable for everyone. No one should have to ration insulin, not get insulin. What you know, whatever. There there should be no barrier to getting to your insulin. Right. And then in the same breath, I think. But what if the company doesn't make money and it goes out of business and then we don't have it? Like there's a balance in there somewhere. I know. Yeah. I know the companies are some of them are making an incredible amount of money, right? And and that that is off putting to people. Yeah. And then I have this process, whereas I watch my wife do similar work. And I think, well, she's a, this really bright person and she's incredibly dedicated and good at this. And you have to pay her the going rate or she's not, sure. she's not going to do it. Like, where's the balance in there? And how, yeah. and how do we just, like, how do we, how do we just give the free books to the people who need the free books and the people who can come up with the five have to come up with the five? And like, how do you make that all work? And yeah, I struggle a lot when I'm talking about it because there's, there's a lot of different. I don't know. There's a lot of different thoughts in there, and um, yeah, it's not easy to talk about out loud because it's because again, my very first thought is it's a very human level. I just want everybody to have it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. no. I, I it's a, it's a wonderful point. I I think one of the things my job has taught me because I get to interact with so many different people is that the conversation is almost always more nuanced than pretty much any side that you hear or any headline that you read or even then any like 350 word article can capture. So yeah, it's, it's such a good point. And, you know, getting to meet people who work at these companies and, and sort of understanding what the costs are. I'll, I'll just give you one small example, which is we've had an idea to actually run a clinical trial uh, randomizing people to kind of standard diabetes care, or you get a, a copy of the book. And we'll, we'll do, like, we, we try to come up with the simplest, most basic trial we could think of, which is measure them when they start, you know, A1C, have them wear CGM, time and range, measure them at six months, and then maybe measure them at a year. And so just super, super, super basic trial. Right. And the, the lowest number we could come up with for 50 people in each group was $70,000. Oh, perfect. And I was just like, oh, perfect. Like, <laughs> we're definitely not doing this because um, that we could, we could put 70, $70,000 could pay for whatever, 10,000 books that we could send to educators all over the U.S. And but just it was hope they work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. But it was a reminder to me of like, my goodness, when when a pharma company has to do, you know, a 4000 patient trial mm-hmm. for a new insulin, uh, that's that's a, you know, and pay 40 investigative sites and doctors and do all the lab work and fund the insulin. It, it's it's always a much bigger proposition when you start digging into the details. So that, that was def- that was just a moment I had the other day that was pretty interesting. It's incredible. And when you take it down to like just a very granular level, here's one for you. Um, my wife looks exhausted and sits up every night till midnight working. She, mm. she doesn't get paid till midnight. She gets paid till, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon. Right. But, but she does, she works and works and works and works and works. And, mm. and, and I, and it's just, it, there's a balance in there somewhere. I, you know, here, here's how I think of this, Adam. This, this is a sports story. So I don't know where this is going to fall for you. And you're much younger than I am. But when I was in my early 20s, free agency didn't exist in the national football league. Like you couldn't just decide my contracts over. I'm going somewhere else. I'm leaving. Like it didn't like the players didn't have that kind of freedom, but mm-hmm. there was a tight end on the Philadelphia Eagles and his name was uh, Jackson. I think it was Keith Jackson. 
And he was the first one who said, I'm doing this. I don't belong to you. I'm going to go play for the Dolphins now. The Dolphins are willing to pay me more money. And they did, and he left. Hmm. And soon after, I think the ownership tried to embarrass the, the players by starting to put their salaries out into the world. And, hmm. and Reggie White, who is, an, is a name to anybody who's watched football would know, he's one of the best defensive linemen in the history of the sport. He played in Philadelphia his entire career. He was getting older. And the Green Bay Packers offered him, I believe, $8 million to come play for them. Hmm. The, the, the amazing sum of $8 million to play professional football, you know, 25 years ago. And, <laughs> and, and he did it. Now, Reggie White was a pastor. He was, by every account, one of the nicest, kindest, most gentlest people I've ever witnessed speak. I met him a couple of times. There was nothing about this man besides the fact that he was paid to throw people around. There was nothing about this man that was in any way questionable. The city where he played football, Philadelphia, for his whole career, and he had done so much for these people, they turned on him like he, like he shot at them. Wow. And, and all they talked about was this $8 million. Like what a sellout he was and what a scumbag he was. He took this $8 million, this $8 million. And all I could think in that moment is go find me three people in Philadelphia, wouldn't take an $8 million job if it was offered to them. They'd say, <laughs> they'd say no, no, thank you. It, uh, you don't have to pay me $8 million to do this. This is really only worth $3 million. You, the other $5 million, please go give it back to people who, who really – no one does that. And, right. and, and so I'm not, I'm not – it isn't lost on me that when the CEO of a pharma company is making you know, $37 million a year and his wife's driving a Maserati that I don't know who pays for and all that stuff, like when all that stuff's going on, yeah. it is unseemly. But, yeah. But it's also – it's also – that man or woman is <laughs> free to try to make as much money as the market will bear for them. And, mm. and so I don't know that any of us would do any differently. And those of us who would I think are amazing. But it's a, it's a strain. You can't make the argument. You can't say that I don't deserve – what I have, or that guy doesn't deserve what he has, or poor Reggie White can't make $8 million, or whatever it ends up being. Like, it's a very strange argument to get involved in. And it's mm. also, also, I don't know how you feel about this, but I find it very odd to say that um, something costs something in 2018, and to tell me that it's gone up in price 800,000%, because I've gone back to the beginning of time for when it was first priced at 75 cents. And like, like I, I, that's, a, I, that's a headline. That's trying to make your point. Uh. Insulin's really expensive, and it should be much less expensive. I completely agree. But when you, when you rush out into the world and start saying things like, look at this, it's gone up, you know, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, has it? Or has it just, you know, hasn't everything gone up that, per that percent from 100 years ago? It, uh, you know, so I don't know, Adam. It's a very weird conversation. Um, I don't, and it doesn't go anywhere good. By the way, I feel bad having it with you now. I don't even know why it came up because <laughs> no one who's ever had this conversation comes out unscathed. It's just, it's always, it's always everyone gets upset, and it's like I'm not arguing for pharma companies no more than I was arguing for Reggie White back then. I just said, uh, you go ahead and turn down the eight million dollars, and then tell me. Tell me, you know, show me what's next. I'll put you in charge. You, you know, you're a, you're, you're living on a different moral plane than I am. And so, and so go get it. But dude, I don't know. This will all be one, this will be one seven minute beep in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And, and just to tie it off, I mean, it's, it's obviously not just insulin either. It's, it's, uh, it's, Everything. It, it's trips, it's CGM, it's, um, all the supplies. I mean, healthcare, 
I uh, actually spent five days in the hospital last month with a ruptured appendix. Oh my gosh. And um, I wrote a pretty in-depth story of kind of the care I had in the hospital, and that'll be coming out soon. But uh, I got the bill from the hospital, and I dug into the bill, and some of the charges, like for finger sticks, were ludicrous. Yeah. Um, they actually billed each finger stick at $226, I figured out. Um, meaning 22 finger sticks taken over five days was a $5,000 charge, which like got me quite enraged. Um, now hospitals do this thing where they bill and then the insurance company pays a discounted rate, right. as is kind of common in all things healthcare. So I think they insurance probably paid about 30% of that, which is still like over a thousand dollars just for 20 finger sticks. Right. So, um, I, that, that's just one example of like the absurdity of the system that we're in. That is insane. Can I ask you a question? If I told you instead you were going to be in the hospital for five days and the cost for them caring for your diabetes was $200 a day while you were there, would you find that as, is it the wording? Like when that thousand dollars, you know, because, because here's the thing. And, and I, I see people do it too. Like they take a picture and they put it up on, on social media. It's a, my insulin would have been $8,000 if I didn't have insurance, but I, I do have insurance. So it was $20. Yeah. So it wasn't $8,000. It was never going to be $8,000. It was $20 because you have insurance. It's right. maybe $8,000 for someone, but all this is, is marketing. It's, it's supposed to, it's, it's, by the way, it's really, I'll bleep this out. It's really marketing. Okay. But it's your, <laughs> but it's your insurance company going, boo, scared, make sure you have health insurance. You can't let it go because you know, this band aid could have cost you $5,000. Sure. You paid 25 cents for it, but that's not the point. It could have been $5,000. Keep your health care because mm. I think that's what it is. I think they're marketing to you. I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess I don't know why it seems like a weird way for like the hospital to charge whatever three X, what the actual price that's paid is. So I, I don't know what the history of that is or why that happens. Um, but my sense is it's more on the hospital side than the insurance side, but I, I really don't know. Yeah, it, it, well, um, and that is the other problem, isn't it? Is you sat and really dug through it and how can you even figure out what it, it's so cloaked and, and and hidden just so that none of it can kind of make sense. Yeah, I actually I actually emailed like five five people to make sure I wasn't off my rocker. I'm, and I'm going to call the hospital billing department today to make sure because it because it is a pretty damning detail if it's correct. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, it's Arden's um uh, children's hospital does it now. Like you make an endo appointment, and about a week or two before they call you, and they go, "Hey, this is about what it's going to cost for you to come here." Mm. And they give you the number and they go, do you still want the appointment? And I'm like, are you trying to scare me out of coming to my endo appointment? Like, huh. like what is this exactly? Like, yeah. we have well, too, too many people come in and then say they can't pay later. So we're going to tell you up front what it costs. Huh. Well, I, I guess I, I mean, it's good to have transparency. They certainly didn't tell me what my, <laughs> my uh, appendix surgery and $10,000 a night stay in the hospital was going to cost. But I told um, you that, Adam, you would have tried to reach down your mouth and yeah, appendix with your hands. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to have cost transparency in healthcare though, but um, hopefully it's getting better over time. I don't know if it is. This is, this is outside of my area of expertise. It, it certainly is. And I don't know anything about it, but I don't know if you saw that CVS and Aetna merged today. 
Oh, that actually went through. That actually went through. So I don't know what's going right. to come of that. But um, yeah, I mean, listen, all this is outside of my expertise. I'm just telling you how it strikes me. Like, it's just, yeah. you, you know, like I, I don't know how to, I don't know how you forget healthcare for a second. Like, I don't know how you go to any company and say to them, this should be cheaper. Because, I mean, I paid $15 to get into a movie. I think that's outrageous. And so if enough of us thought that was outrageous and we stopped going to the movies, then the price of the movies would go down so we all came back. We all can't stop buying our insulin. We all can't go, this is outrageous, forget it. And, and, and so you are – it is a different, it is a different yeah. argument. It's your health. It's a completely different argument. And at the same time, the feeling I get – and I don't get this feeling from like one particular place, but – it's it's a business way of thinking about health, which is we're covering most of the people. Some of them are going to fall through. There's nothing we can do about that. And I don't know how unreasonable that is or what the answer is if that's not the answer. Mm. I mean, one, one, of, one of the good things I think we're seeing, at least in CGM, is with Libre. I mean, Libre from the beginning was designed with cost in mind. That was a design principle of that product. And I think that's one of many reasons why it's been so wildly successful globally. Um, but I think more and more companies are, at least on the device side and probably on the pharma side too, are just understanding that, that cost has to be a foundational principle of your product design. And that actually requires making pretty significant design and R&D trade-offs yes. that change the product fundamentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly in the case of Libre, but <clears throat> Dexcom is working on the same thing with Verily, and um, I think that's good. I think over time, stuff should get cheaper. Let's hope. It has to, and it also has to... You need... The competition's incredibly important, too. Like, mm-hmm. because it just, I was just saying to someone the other day, and you, you'll know better than anybody, but the rate of improvement is insane over even a decade ago. Like I was saying to somebody recently, a decade ago, somebody would be like, we came out with a new meter and the whole, the whole diabetes community would be like, wow, new meter, very exciting. And huh. you know, and then nine months later, nothing happens. Nothing, nothing. One other company would be like, ah, we have a new meter. Too. Ooh, another meter. And then like, you know, and that would go year after year, nothing. And then you'd, yeah. you'd hear about artificial pancreas and, Europe, but it would never really make it here. And then all of the sudden, it's just coming like it's coming like hand over fist now. It's like it's it's just like, hey, here's the Libre, here's the Dexcom G5, here's the G6. Uh, we did loop. We've got this. It's it's like wow, it really sped up. And e- e- even that speed's got to start impacting the price. I'm assuming totally. You know, yeah, it's a wonderful point. It, yeah, definitely more competition. Also, I think historically diabetes devices have innovated on hardware mm-hmm. and now the hardware is getting to a point where all it's so good at least in CGM that it's all the innovation is going to happen in software right. and the kind of the coaching and the support and the pattern recognition and the decision support and all the stuff around the hardware and you can innovate a lot faster on software than you can on hardware and so if anything, the pace of progress is going to continue accelerating. Um, that combined with competition, combined with FDA's just being generally awesome and supportive of interoperability and faster pathways. And so, yeah, I think that is the most amazing news for people. Zero finger sticks. 
That's what you get with the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. The Dexcom G6 makes diabetes treatment decisions with zero finger sticks and no calibration. Always know where your glucose number is headed with the new Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitoring System. Now FDA permitted for zero finger sticks. Talk about a hokey pokey, right? You're always poking yourself in the fingers to make them bleed, but you don't really need to do that anymore. Go from pokey 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 to no pokey pokey. If you are ready to see glucose in a whole new way with Dexcom CGM, all you have to do is provide them with a few details so they can get you started. And you know where you can do that? At Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. When you get started with the Dexcom, you're going to be able to see the trend of your blood sugar, right? Which way is it moving and how fast is it going in that direction? You get to see the actual blood glucose value as well, but man, the arrows telling you how fast your blood sugar is moving and what direction it's going in, that's the real kind of genius of the Dexcom. Plus, you know, there's share and follow, right? For Apple and Android phones. All that means is someone you love can be anywhere wearing a Dexcom CGM and you can be somewhere else and know if their blood sugar is rising or falling or staying steady, right? You could be that person behind the person while they're at school or sleeping. And Dexcom just added Hey Siri to the device. So you can now just say, Hey Siri, what's my blood sugar? And it'll tell you. So it's time. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Put in that little bit of information. Get started today. Find out what you're missing. Those links are also available at juiceboxpodcast.com and in the show notes of your podcast player. Jake Leach is the R&D head at Dexcom. He was on a few weeks ago and he they just bought, he didn't really elaborate too much. He's going to come back on. Actually, I guess he's back from Germany soon. He's going to come back on. But he, um, they just bought a company and it was clearly all around like the software ideas. Yeah, type zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is incredibly interesting because to your point, like, right, how much better can that wire get? How much like, like, wh- where's the the real leaps are 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 made in the in in the the artificial intelligence part of it? Really, that that is really what we're looking for. Is we're looking for this predictive nature of this of these algorithms to just get better and better and better. And it's you know, I don't know about you. I I'm my daughter's only. Gosh, she's 10, 12, how old? She was four when she was two when she was diagnosed. She's 14. She's, I can't even do the numbers. She's 12 years into this. Yeah. And I'm at the point now where I'm like, okay, someone please like take these things and put them all together and, and get me out of this because like, I want, I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> like, you know, like I really want, last night's such a fine example. Like Arden's blood sugar was great going into bed. It was really fantastic, but she's been a little sick, so she's been a little more difficult to, to you know, her blood sugar's been a little more difficult to keep down. And um, I'll tell you, when I put her to bed last night, I was like, this is a blood sugar that is going to work. And I fell asleep in a hard way. And at one o'clock, it just, her blood sugar went from 90 to 200. And, huh. and I just didn't wake up. And mm. so five hours at 200, I'm sure most people are like, shut up, Scott. But for us, that's like a big, like, that's a big leap from where we heap things. And, and I, there was a time in my life I would have woke up in the morning and been guilt ridden about that. It, it, yeah. You know, and now I, I, I've, I've kind of learned to not do that, but it's still, it was, it was like, oh, like if this was an artificial pancreas idea, like this would have, this, 
thing would have started heading up and it would have just kept pushing, you, you know, and it would have taken it back down again, uh, hopefully. And, yep. and, and I would like that, Adam, very much. Um, yeah. Yeah. As a, as someone who I've been wearing loop for almost two years now right. and, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, just, just fixing sleep and, and all of the, I, you know, that decision point moment where you check your blood sugar and then you have that guessing game before bed, like, okay, what's going to happen? You're sort of doing your own artificial intelligence prediction forward. Exactly. How much does she eat? She's been sick lately. And, and uh, closed loop just takes all of that off the table, even, you know, j- even if we just talk about it overnight, let alone during the day. Right. So it's yeah, it's, it's going to awesome. be awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff coming. I'm actually uh, – Chris Snyder's coming on this week too, and he's going to tell me about this whole closed-loop thing. So, uh, oh, great. Yeah, yeah, nice. I, I'm very much uh, not a – I don't tide pool. And like I know Chris works at tide pool, and I know that word, but I don't, I've never really dug that deeply into it. And then they made this announcement yesterday about loop, and I was like, you know what? Okay. I, well, let me carve out a little piece of space in my brain and learn about this too. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to be awesome. It's it's a totally a totally new pathway for bringing closed loop systems to market, and I think uh, I, I called it a paradigm shift in the in the piece that we wrote uh, for Close Concerns. And so, yeah, I'm excited, and I'll tell you what too. I think the pump companies are actually happy about it because it's just another like say say I'm a pump company and I put out my 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 algorithm, right? Or the way I'm doing it, you don't like it for some reason. That could be enough for someone to leave their pump and go to a different pump to get to the other algorithm. But now all of a sudden, if you don't like the one they have, you could, I'm assuming, like just use that one instead. And and I was like, that's really, I can't wait to hear more about that. And I need to be filled in because I know almost nothing. Um, but Chris will do a lot of the talking, and which... People listen to podcasts and be excited about them. Like, oh god, thank god that Scott guy didn't talk <laughs> so much. Um, we we let the other man talk. Um, so tell me something. You so you take your book and you do something that I can't imagine. I want you to explain to me. You made an audio version. You did the read, right? Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Adam, how long did that take? Uh, two and a half days in the studio. There's sort of a backstory here, though, which is. Um, you know, we self-published the paperback. And so I thought we could kind of do a DIY thing for the audio. Mm-hmm. And so I set up a little, we had some recording equipment at Diatribe and I set up a little studio at home and I tried to, I used all the behavior change tactics that I know that I share in the book, like on myself to try to get myself to record the audio version, you know, so chunking it down into small pieces and having it visible in my environment. So I'm reminded to do it. And I sat on it for six or eight months, just like trying and struggling and feeling like it was terrible and just was getting nowhere. And then as with a lot of things in life, you sort of realize at a certain point, like I need, I need some help here. This is, this is not progressing anywhere. And we had a summer intern and I just tagged him with like find a studio somewhere that I can go to. They're experts at this. I can record it. And he did. And so I, he found it. There's one in San Diego that does a lot of author reads. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, yeah, I flew down to San Diego and recorded the audio version, which was much more difficult than I expected because the, the mic is so sensitive 
that even just there was one point where I moved my toe inside my shoe and it, you know, I could hear it in the headphones and we had to redo the sentence. So you're, yeah, you're just sitting in like a, a, a small sound booth for two and a half days reading your own book, which is a very strange <laughs> experience. And then, yeah, they sent me the files and um, kind of taking a page out of the way we published the print version is we put it up on YouTube for free and then also it's sold through all the audiobook channels. Right. But it, it was it was a total blast. I had a great time and just a different way to share the content. So it was fun. You're reminding me of at the end of writing my book, I um I thought like it, it needed to be in. I had one more day till I had to turn it in and I thought, I wish I could hear it. Like I said, I wish somebody would read it to me. I'd love to hear it out loud. Mm. And then I recognized there was no one, so I just woke up the next morning and read the book to myself out loud. Right. And it, it made sense, and it really did help, because there were sometimes I got to something, I was like, you know what, seriously, I'd like to say this like this, or there's, you know, like, you know, et cetera, and it, it helped me. But the other part of it was, it felt incredibly oddly indulgent. I was like, oh, I'm reading what I wrote out loud. And mm. it felt, I felt silly at times. I, mm. I don't know another way to put it at all. I, I don't know if it, you were ever in that booth thinking, oh my gosh, look at me reading my book. I, <laughs> I, and if you didn't, good for you, by the way, because that's just confidence that <laughs> you have. That well, I, I think it helped that a number of people had emailed me and said, can you please make an audio version because uh, I have a long commute or yeah. um, I'm visually impaired and I just can't read print any smaller than, you know, X size. And so I had gotten enough of those emails that that was kind of my mission was to like help the people who've requested it with, with something they could consume. So I, I think that definitely helped, but yeah, it is, it is a very strange experience. It is, it's very good to get that feedback, any kind of feedback, by the way. Um, because like while you and I are talking, I got a message and here it is. It says, Oh my God, Scott, I think I'm really getting it. I'm sorry for shouting, but I cannot shout here in real time. And thank you. And, right. so, and so that's just somebody who's, uh, you know, I, I, I don't particularly recognize that I have to, I'm so sorry to anyone listening. Like I do my best, but like this person, as I look back in the message, messaged me three months ago and was lost. And the best I could tell wow. them, uh, the best I could tell them was try these few episodes and then start listening regularly. And now, three, four months later, I, I, I think I got it. Like, you know, I don't, even know that, I don't even know what that means yet, but that's the kind of enthusiasm that will make it easy for me tomorrow when I'm recording another episode of the podcast. And I'm like, oh, I really would like to not record the podcast one time like, and, and do something else. Uh, but then it's, yeah. it, it takes that away in a split second. Like that feeling you got of like, I have to sit down and do this. I have to sit down and do this. Mm. I, enough of those notes take that away. And um, yeah, and and it's I think the funny thing about all of us working in diabetes is we're sort of working to put ourselves out of business all the time. <laughs> you know, we want to we want to give people at least those of us on the content side like content that is so good that allows them to just take a toolkit and take care of themselves. I just said uh, to somebody recently, I'm like, the goal of this podcast is for you not to need the podcast because yeah. in a greater in a greater sense. I'm in a race. I think I'm in a race with here's how I think about it. I'm in a, <laughs> I'm in a race with the least financially viable of us ability to get to an AP, 
right? Mm. Once everyone can get to artificial pancreas, Scott gives up and I go away. Okay, but but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So my 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 greater goal is to have enough people have this experience and share it with their endocrinologist. Right. Because at some point, it would be a lot quicker if endocrinologists were telling people what you're telling them. It would be a lot quicker if they told them what I'm telling them than for them to get the bad information, go out into the world, um, feel horrible, uh, not you know, feel like this is never going to get any better, absolutely have the pressure and the anxiety that comes with us, rock bottom out, and then, if they're lucky, dig up your book or this podcast or something else like it. Like that, that so much of that process is unnecessary if, if at the beginning people would start talking to them like this. And, yeah. And that's my goal. My goal is for that to happen and for me to watch nobody listen to the podcast anymore and I just ride away into the sunset and that's that. <laughs> like, seriously, I can't, I, can't, yeah. I can't do this. I mean, I can't. Not forever, Adam. I'm tired. I'm getting older. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's, it's funny too because, you know, we have our quote-unquote jobs and diabetes, but then also like diabetes is a job in the background too. You're doing it so, twice. It's a lot, a lot, of, a lot, of, a lot of diabetes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no kidding. Wouldn't you just love to go through a day and not say it? You know, you know, like that would be my goal is to just not say the word yeah. once. Um, but no, no, seriously, like there's that's a, a really it's a really important thing is that I you know I don't know how much time you spend a day on your job. I'm sure it's a good chunk. I spend more time with this podcast than people might believe every day. And then my daughter still has diabetes after that. And I still have to yeah. vacuum the rug and all the other things that come with my, <laughs> my, my exciting life. Um, it, it just, it really, but at the same time, here's, here's where it gets me. I go online or I go somewhere and I put something up and there's another person more recently diagnosed asking one of those same questions over again. There's a sadness you can you can feel it in typing, which is not mm. something you I never would have imagined that you could feel sadness in a post on Facebook, but you can. Mm. You know, like there's a sense of dread, and I can't believe I can't figure this out, and I'm letting myself down, or I'm letting down a loved one, and this and this feeling, and and then for you, or I don't know for you, but for me, I think well, someone has to do something, right? Like like right? Like what what are we doing? Like we can't. Was, I can't just let this person sit here. Like somebody has to do something. They're, they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're, I have to. Mm -hmm. That's all. You, you know, yeah. it really is. Um, it's absolutely encompassing. And it strikes me as deeply in my heart this morning as it did the first time or 10 years ago or whenever it hit me the first time that, wow, we can't. How do we know these things and not tell someone else that feeling? I still feel mm -hmm. it. I feel it the exact same way every time. I so I love your book. That's why I love what you guys did with the book. Really, it's just really, it's just a very, it's a kindness. And I know, I know that. I mean, it's you guys are nonprofit, right? You're not for profit. Yeah, diatribes a nonprofit exactly. Right. And I get that, but still, it's still incredibly kind. You can still, I mean, diatribe still has operating costs. Do, do you know sure. what I mean? Like, it wouldn't have been crazy to be like, hey, we can make a couple of bucks off of this. I, you know, even if you yeah. think about it, you sold eighty thousand of them. What if you would have made an extra two bucks on each one? Huh? Yeah. Well, well, and the the other the other thing that people may not know is I I actually volunteer all of my time to diatribe. So I'm uh, all of all of the stuff I do for diatribe is is free and volunteered. I actually work at a, a company called Close Concerns that kind of does a way more more in-depth version of diatribe for people that work in diabetes. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, th- this was very altruistic from the from the beginning uh, through and through. And people should know that. And you're an angel. Look what you just said. I, I just, that's <laughs> fantastic. I, somebody, wow. just, somebody just texted me today and said, are you interested in uh, taking an ad on the podcast? I'm like, yes, absolutely. I got my kids in, <laughs> my kids in college. What do you want to sell? Guns? I'll do it. No, I'm just kidding. But, but like, you know, like it really is. <laughs> Machine- well, in a, yeah. Well, in a way, you know, we're, we're all sort of, you sort of figure out your own business model of how to share stuff that works with people. And right. so in my case, you know, I, I have a paying job and this is another outlet to share knowledge. And in your case, um, there's, there's a different way to share the knowledge and still make the ends meet and make the bills work and all that. And so I, I think, I guess in a way it's, it's just a beautiful testament of the times that we're in that you can, there's a lot of different ways to kind of cobble it together, which yeah. is nice. No, it's, it really is excellent because we need we need all the different voices because they all hit people differently. Like there's some yeah. somebody read your book and was like, I don't get it and put it down. Somebody listened to this podcast and thought, I don't get it and never downloaded it again. And there's yep. somebody that read your book and was like, Oh my God, right on. You're talking right into my soul. Like, thank you. And I, yep. and, and, and so you need, I mean, because honestly, Adam, we're all basically saying the same 10 things. It's just, we all say it a little differently. And so yeah. it, it's, it needs to be out there. I don't think it's enough. I mean, as many as your books uh, have been sold, I wish twenty thousand, you know, more a day would have been sold. I, I yeah. wish that I wish that this podcast had twenty times the downloads because then maybe I would have gotten five notes like this this afternoon, not one. And and that's that's got to be the goal. Like I do think all the time about the people we don't reach, and I, I constantly sure. I constantly wonder about how to reach them. Um, For sure, it really it really bothers me in a way that I I um I don't know if I'm completely honest with myself about it all the time or not, but it, it it weighs on me. Peck. What do you think of when you hear the word peck? I think of like a little kiss. It's somebody you love just kind of passing by you in a hallway or in a room, and a little peck on the cheek. But I also think about tubeless insulin pumping. Why is that? Because Omnipod has taken what I've been telling you for years is the free, no obligation demo pod, and they've given it a new name. It's the same little kit that, you know, you always got. Actually, the box looks nicer. Looks like a redesign. Oh, you know what I see in there? It's a picture of the new Dash PDM. Boy, that must be getting close if it's showing up there. Anyway, try a pod for free to experience how liberating it can truly be. If you're considering insulin pump therapy, the best way to understand the comfort and convenience the pod offers is to try it firsthand. So get a free experience kit, which includes a sample, non-functioning pod, and see what you think. There's no obligation to buy. So if you just go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box, Omnipod will give you a peck. A pod experience kit. It's a free, no obligation offering that gives you an opportunity to try on the Omnipod and wear it to see if you like it. You know, you can kind of imagine, I might wear it here, I maybe I'll put it there. This thing is so easy to hide with clothes. There's no tubing. Oh my God, no tubing. There's not a thing I have to like clip to my belt later. There's not gonna be like three feet of tubes to squirt the insulin through from the controller to the infusion set. Nope, none of that. Myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. You deserve a peck.
Did you think the show was going to come back on? You did, right? There was like an ad and then some silence. You thought, oh, the show will be right back. But first, dancingfordiabetes.com. I want you to go to dancing4diabetes.com to learn all about this organization and what they do for children living with type 1 diabetes through the art of dance. It's absolutely magical. I also want you to check out their Touch by Type 1 event that's coming up very soon. I will be there speaking, talking all about being bold with insulin. If you're in the Orlando, Florida area, please go to dancingfordiabetes.com, not just to find out about what they do, but to sign up for the Touch by Type 1 event. The rest of you, just go to see the pictures of the adorable children dancing and looking happy. Okay, now the show's going to start back up. Right now. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm me too. I mean, you 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 started out at the beginning asking what's kind of the phase and I of the book and the launch, and I I think that's kind of the one we're in is how do we reach the channels that we may not have, you know, a line into. Yeah. It's really important. How do you keep this from because you see how valuable it is, and what if it just became old news? Do, do you know what I mean? Like it, it, that, that's a sadness in itself. Like think about uh, anything really, like a, a great television show, right? Like a sure. really wonderful television show. When it ends, people, I mean with Netflix maybe more than used to, but still like the masses don't get up every day and go, huh, that mash, I've heard good things. Let me go check it out. You, yeah. you know, like, but, but it's still there and it's still valuable and it still does what it does. And yet something else comes along and sometimes the stuff that comes along next is not as altruistic as what you did. Mm. And, and it's a little more of that. And, you know, and there's some, there's some spaces right now on social media that are so like click related, like your, yeah. your success is a like, which mm. is nice, but doesn't help anyone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I have 20,000 clicks on my picture. Great. Everyone's blood sugar is the same as it was this morning. Like that, that's not what I, I – who cares if 10 people like it? If, 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 if 5,000 of them read it and one of them says, hey, that was great, but it helps everybody, that's the kind of stuff that – that's the kind of stuff that's important. And it really um, – you've, mm. you've bummed me out, Adam. I don't know how you did it. Why? Oh. I don't know. I, I might have done it myself. It's hard to know exactly. Uh, I've got the lights down while I'm recording. I think I've gotten melancholy. Uh, I just – I just, I have this, I say this to people all the time, and I always preface it by saying, I don't take this, like, I'm not making the apples to apples comparison. But at the end of the movie Schindler's List, Oscar Schindler's standing there, and he's looking at a piece of jewelry he's wearing. And it, you could see on his face, it strikes him, like, why did I keep this ring or whatever this is? I could have mm-hmm. helped another person. And, mm. and th- not the, the dread, the dread that's on the actor's face. Mm. Sometimes I feel that way. <laughs> I'm serious. Sometimes I get I get a note from someone about their A1C or their variability, and I think, oh, that's great. And then my first thought is, why is this not ten notes? Like, why, mm. like, like, why? How did I? How did I mess up and not find more people that this could have helped? Wow, that's 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 going pretty hard on yourself. <laughs> I know, but I think it's just how long I've been doing it. Like, it's yeah, like you get like it's frustrating at some points. It's not, it's not frustrating that people get more, like the other people get diabetes. That's just, that, that sucks. But it, it's frustrating because I'm right at the edge of it. And I think I should be able to figure this out. 
Like maybe that's my frustration really is that I should be mm. able to figure out how to blow this up. Like I want Adam's book downloaded by every person who has type one diabetes, not 80,000, mm. every one of them. And, and mm. how do you, how do you do that? How do you make an endo not tell you, Hey, uh, bolus and then wait three hours and test. Like, how do we, how do we stop that from being the way people talk to, to each other mm. about diabetes? And, um, and I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, I think I think part of it is like it's a never ending thing. So when you think about all the people globally who have diabetes and, um, you know, even even companies with 100, 200, 500 people on their sales force going door to door to endos can't can't reach everyone. Yeah. Um, I would, so I, I, I would I, like that sales force. I think I could do something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I really, um, there's, there's, do you never have that feeling that do you, like, like put me on a tour of America, I'll go tell everybody myself. Like, do you ever feel like that? Like that? Yeah, I, I think I have. I, I think I actually realized that, um, I was just totally exhausting myself and, and then that was turning around and being counterproductive to like all the other tr- things I was trying to do. I hear that, yeah. Um, so I've, I've tried to also gravitate towards the things that I feel like I can that are suited to my strengths and that I really enjoy doing and love doing and then kind of not doing the things that feel like they're box checking or um, that everyone else does. So like I, I really don't spend a lot of time on social media um, only because I think part of it is that it, it actually trains me in an unproductive way to focus on how many likes did I get or how many follows or tweets. And then um, I'm not spending time creating great content that I'm proud of which is really what I love doing. Yeah. No, I hear you. So, hey, listen, you yeah. spoke you spoke at the JDRF in um, Arizona last year, right? I did. Yeah, my family. That was actually cool because my family came. They live in Phoenix. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. So we, you and I, almost saw each other at that. And, mm. and let's hear. Let me tell you how that happened. It's a fun story. So wow. I, I get contacted by them, and they're like, "We want to come out and have you speak at this thing." And I was like, "Great." And I was like, "You know, who have you talked to so far?" And they said they had you. They had somebody else. I forget who they had two. Nicole, Nicole Johnson. Yes. They had two names and I was like, okay. So I started chatting with them. I was like, are you sure you really like, what do you need a third person for? Like, I was like, these are thoughtful people with good ideas. Like you don't want to bring me there. And, and I was like, because I'll just talk over everyone. I'm very, I'll get very like territorial about my time. And I was like, and say you put me on a panel with Adam, Adam's making great sense. And then I'll sit there and I'll think, let him talk because he's, <laughs> he's doing great. And then my ego will go, no, 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 you talk. And I was like, and then it'll all just be a mess. And I was like, I'm way too chatty to put me with other people. No, I want to come next year. So I'm going this year instead of last year. Oh, <laughs> but, nice. But I, I really was, I was genuinely <laughs> concerned that they would like panel us together or something. And then I would just be like, at the end of it, Adam would look over and go, well, that son of a bitch never stopped talking. And <laughs> <laughs> Why did I even? My family's here. What did they see? They saw me sit here, and, and I just thought, I thought, like, let one voice kind of ring, like, truly. And I, and I, I heard that it went really well for you there. So, um, th- th- when you have that opportunity to speak in person, do you think, like, is that? I mean, I know that's better than social media, but do you think you swayed people in the moment? Do you think you said to them something that made them go, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at this book." Oh yeah, definitely. Well, I, I think part of it, it, it helped that I, I think they bought a paperback for everyone that was there. So, 
certainly they they had it force fed to them in multiple forms. <laughs> Take this. Hold it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I, I I do love I do love reaching people in person because it it yeah as you said it it takes it to another level that you can't really get online. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we need a lot more of both for sure. Yeah. One of the things that I struggle with is there are there are a lot of support groups, for instance, in the Bay Area. And, you know, someone contacted me recently and said, hey, can you come up to our place in San Rafael, do a support group? And I said, sure, maybe. But, you know, 90 minute support group and then kind of hour to hour and a half to get there, hour and a half to get back. Like it's actually a five or six hour investment. For me, and and then I'm then you know because I was I did business as an undergrad, so I'm always thinking about opportunity costs. Like, could I write in six hours? Could I write a column that would help you know thousands of people on Diatribe.org versus reaching fifteen people in person? And both of those are super duper important. And it's it's actually I think it becomes I don't know if you face this, but it becomes very difficult to figure out how to spend your time and allocate it to help the most people with diabetes, not only uh, going broad, like reaching thousands, but also going deep on, you know, reaching 15 people in person. No, not only do I feel that way, but you just made my point about insulin pricing. Hmm. You really, you really just did. Like at what point, how many people can we let go for the greater good of this? Hmm. Like it really, and it's so, it's so distasteful to say out loud but you, you thought that. You thought like in slightly different ways. You thought if I go talk to 15, 20, 30 people, I could write something that might reach 2,000 people. It won't be those people, but it'll be other people. It's, it's, it's the, the decision that I feel like gets made like in government all the time, you know, hmm. even in military all the time. Like well, if, I, if I shoot all those people, right. how many people will I save by shooting those people? Which is such a crazy thing to think about. It's just, yeah, it really, very utilitarian. It's just it's insane. Like if I kill you five, then those thousand people live. But I don't want to be. I don't want to do that. I'm not looking to take someone's life. But you're going to take their life. So I and it's just it's a very they're not again not apples to apples. But it's just it's the way it strikes me in my brain. Like the idea of I do want to come up there. I do want to talk to you, especially if these fifteen people are that invested. They're probably going to get a ton out of the time you'll spend with them. But yeah. then, did you end up just Skyping to them? Because that's, that's what uh, right. what I thought immediately. I was like, well, I'll do it, but I'm not driving there. Yeah, I have I have done I have actually done several several Skype, several recorded videos. I think those those work they're better than nothing. Um they're obviously they're obviously not better than being there in person, but I think it's a good it's a good way to try to satisfy as many people as possible, but but it is challenging for sure. Yeah, I just think I still think we got to get a hold of those those doctors and just shake, just shake them at them until they tell people stuff that they need. Oh, <laughs> well, they 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 have a difficult job too. I uh, mean, I I, 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 I don't I don't be I don't envy being an endocrinologist or a primary care provider these days. It's very difficult. And don't you think it's the, really the same? Again, it's just the same version of the same of this theme, which is, it's a different version of this theme, which is. I come in, I have diabetes, I'm diagnosed, my kid's diagnosed, whatever it is. This doctor does not know me. They don't know my level of ability to understand what's about to be said to me. They don't know my where my, I don't know, where the drama in my life is, where my emotions are. They don't know anything about that. So they have to start with this basic information. But, mm. but some people can't take more than that. And so they really need it that way. 
But some people go home and they, I, I'm telling you, I talk to so many people privately. And the biggest thing that I hear from people is, I heard what the doctor said. And then I went home and I put it into practice. And I'm telling you, Scott, I did it exactly the way they said, but it didn't work. <laughs> so, and so they kept seeing, excuse me, like in their gut, they were like, I see what I should be doing, but that's not what the doctor said to do. So not only were they failing on a health level, they had this incredible anxiety that they were doing everything they thought they were supposed to be doing, but they were failing at it. This anxiety, mm. right? Plus their health, plus the anxiety. And then when they see the right thing to do, they can't bring themselves to do it because mm. it's going against what the doctor said. Yeah. And, and some of them figure it out and go back. One of the things that happens to people more frequently than I can imagine, and this one's terrible, is they go through this whole process, they figure it out, and they go back. Doctor takes their A1C and says something. To, trust me, I'll, I'll get a. I'll literally get a thousand emails after this because this happens to so many people. I went in, I've been going in for years, eight, I struggled, I got seven and a half, one time seven, but mostly seven and a half. Then all of a sudden one day I listen to the podcast a bunch of time, hey, my A1C 6.2. Yay. Then the doctor yells at them for 20 minutes. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you just imagine? You, you couldn't have possibly done this without, without dangerous lows. Some of them have CGM. They go, no, no, look, no, no lows, I'm good. Like, you know, I mean, you know, 70 here once, I was 65 here, but nothing like no 25, no scary, no calling an ambulance. Like, I'm, I'm good, right? And right. They, and they get badgered into not doing it, some of them. Sometimes the doctors actually get them to go back to doing it the way they were doing it before. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's sort of, I mean, to me, type 1 diabetes is about, it's about, data it's about personal iteration and n of one experimentation and it's about behavior and a lot of it is like food mindset exercise and sleep it has nothing to do with anything that most doctors are educated in yeah. um and so and then part of that is like what is the what is the model of a doctor managing type 1 diabetes is it is it dictator or is it kind of like cheerleader and coach coach you would think it would be you coach. know yeah. it should be a coach because you and i live with type of diabetes 24 7 and um the doctor sees us for you know at best four hours per year but more realistically way less probably 45 minutes a year right so how about a woman i just saw the other day i don't want to give too many of her details um figuring this whole thing out Goes back to the doctor, doctor remarks, hey, it's, you know, getting better for your kid. It's excellent. Then looks closer and sees that she's using insulin more than every three hours and tells her she's stacking insulin, it's dangerous, and then she doesn't stop, they're going to call Child Protective Services on her. Oh, my gosh. Right? What do you do then? You just run away. Right. What do you do? <laughs> right. You go, you're the guy. You're the guy who's supposed to be helping me. You're a lunatic. And then and, and like, I finally figured this out. And your answer to, can you imagine how excited that mother must have been to go into that doctor's appointment with a fi right. finally with a success and was met with, do you want me to have the, the state take your child from you? Right. Oh, my gosh. Well, and, not hard and, the, and the hilarity is like the ultimate standard of care, like best practice for managing Type 1 diabetes is going to be a closed loop that iterates insulin every five minutes. Constantly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the irony. <laughs> yeah, they don't know that. Listen, I, 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 I one time made a cold call to the AAD. Is it AADE, the American something, diabetes educators, them? I was like, um, can you please listen to the podcast? 
I said, here's some notes from people who said they listened to a couple of episodes. Here's the episodes they listened to. Uh, then they became listeners after that. Here's their notes about their A1C and their variability. Can you just, can you, can you, can you go tell somebody, please? Anybody? I, the, mm-hmm. I, think, I still hear the guy's voice on the phone. I think he thought I was nuts. And mm-hmm. I just, I was just, end of, I was at an end of a rope. I was like, why, I can't find all these people for you. Like, please, tell, mm-hmm. please tell them before you make them mental. And, yeah. you know, I just, oh, Adam. Yeah, well, well, it's interesting, too, because educators, we've gone to AADE two years in a row now and handed out books in a diatribe booth. Mm-hmm. And in the first year, we handed out 300 books in 40 minutes. And this year, we handed out 600 books in over the course of a day and a half. I mean, educators are starving for resources and information, at least from those I've spoken to. And so... Well, yeah, that's, that's, I hope. Who, that's who I think in the end, I think that's what the, that's what my goal is, is to, yeah. is to, is to educate an entire, it's a long process, but to educate enough people in an entire generation that when those kids grow up and become doctors and, and when people ask questions on social media or wherever they find their community from, that the answers that those people get back are not about fear and they're about, they're about action. And, mm-hmm. and then, like I said, then I'm just going to go, I'm going to, I think I'm going to live in a hut on the side of a hill after that, Adam. I'm going to turn the, <laughs> I'm gonna turn the internet off and I'm not going to talk anymore um, because it's hard to talk this much. <laughs> Sometimes it gives me a headache. Well, and, and it, I, I think people forget for anyone producing content, whether it's audio or written or whatever, like it, it takes a lot of vulnerability and it, it really doesn't get that much easier. I mean, it's, each one is kind of scary, you know, and each one is like starting from almost a blank slate. So, um, oh, and forget that. Not only that, but interesting. I just put up, I believe I just put up the 188th episode of the podcast by the congrats. end. By, thank you very much. By the end of this year, it's going to be at 200. It's going to be three full years old of a weekly podcast. Wow. And do you have already an idea how hard it is to make it interesting and different enough every week that it grows and continues? And, you know, when I first started this, uh, I reached to a person who didn't have a podcast about diabetes, but it was one of those, um, it was like an internet radio show about them. It was incredibly popular and they didn't do it anymore. So I felt comfortable saying, hey, I'm thinking of doing this as a podcast. You know, any advice you have would be great. Right. And the and the what the person ended up telling me was, well, it's finite. You won't be able to keep it up forever. And mm. I was like, why? Because you'll run out of things to say. And I thought mm. I took that as a challenge, Adam. I was like, I bet you I won't. Game on. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you I can just talk forever. Let me see if I can. Um and and the only measuring stick I have is for how many people subscribe and download. I I genuinely don't know what people think of it. Yeah, like that's the hardest. I find that to be the most incredibly difficult part about putting content in the world is that there is no feedback that, you know, to to your point. And oh, my God, where I started talking about all that long time ago. And as I was telling you about sitting down with that pharma company, I did get lost in my own thought for a second. When I was at that meeting where they were telling me about where my blog was and the, you know, the litany of blogs. um, And by the way, at that time, there were well over 4000 of them online. Which wow. was very diabetes blogs. Yeah, worldwide, uh, slightly over four thousand. But they also had this other data. This other data was amazing. 
a, a fraction less than 1%, like much, much less of people have the ability to comment on a blog. Like there's something that stops most people from right. whipping out their keyboard and being like, I read what you wrote and I'll tell me, just tell you this. And blah, 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 blah. Right. Most people are stopped by that. There's such a small fraction of people who are actually able to send an email that says, Hey, your book was great. Uh, your podcast was great. Uh, your podcast sucked. Your book sucked. Whatever, whatever their thing says. Sure. It's, it's an incredibly low number. Yeah. And so that was one of the things they were impressed about at the point, at that point was the, the, I, that I was getting like feedback. They're like, Oh, you're getting blog comments. That's incredible. Here's why. And they showed me this incredible report. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't, I never imagined that because I'm probably like you, you could pretty much stop me anywhere and ask me something and I'd be happy to talk about it, sure. <laughs> you know, but, but most people can't. So how do you get your yeah. feed, how do you get your feedback and and so I'm very grateful when people do feedback because it is uh it is it is incredibly valuable for for I think for people like you who do yeah the the other thing that you made me think of and that I always try to remember is not every single person that we have access to reads every single article and so you actually have to continue to hit people again and again and again yes we we did a diatribe reader survey. Uh, I don't know, maybe six months ago. And so this is bright spots and landmines had been out for 14 months. Mm -hmm. And I, I'd literally been talking about it in diatribe for 14 months. Um, in fact, two months before it came out, we were talking about it and still only 30% of, of our readers who took the survey. So, you know, only 30% had a copy. Um, so that was just a reminder to me, like people, people miss stuff, people, you know, it's buried at the bottom. They didn't see that one particular email. And so you just, you just have to keep hitting people again and again. And so don't worry about making the content unique every week. Like some people are just going to miss stuff and, uh, and maybe they'll just happen to catch it on a really long flight that they had. And you'll, you know, you'll hit them there. I, I, I hope so. I really do. I, I genuinely, there's nothing nicer to me than to think about someone off living their life, less stressful, uh, better blood sugars, um, not thinking about diabetes as much. I, I tell you, it makes me incredibly uh, mm. calm to think that there are people out there that, uh, that get to that spot. It makes me, it just mm. makes me incredibly happy. So nice. you know, I wish, and I, you know, it's, it's so funny too, because it, it kind of doesn't gel with any other aspect of my personality. Like if you knew me before my daughter had diabetes and, and we whipped out a crystal ball and you're like, Hey, one day Scott will be a feeling gentle man who tells other people how to have better success with their health. You would go, this would be you. You go, <laughs> that's not happening. <laughs> Scott, this guy right here, that's not possible that he's not that person. Like I, there's yeah. nothing chicken soup for the soul about me. Like, mm. like I just, it just one day. Adam, it just happened to me one day, and I thought by what I said. Yeah, it's like how do you know this and not tell somebody else? Yeah, it seems well. It's funny how um, looking forward, it it never seems plausible, and then you kind of look back and connect the dots, and oh, yeah. it all it all makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> okay, Adam. So we are gonna I'm gonna link this up. We're gonna send people to your audio. Brilliant. Um, yeah, right. People who don't you know don't like to read can now listen, and we know listening is very important because. Uh, how long is it, by the way? How long does it take me to listen to Adam read me Price Spots and Landmines? 
Depends on uh, what speed you select. <laughs> at one time at, speed? Uh, at one time speed, it's about four hours. Four hours. Um, yeah, but that's it's based on as you know, sixty thousand hours of wearing CGM and um, thousands, thousands, and thousands of hours of diabetes conferences and writing, and so it's a pretty good, valuable four hours, I think. But um, I think one point two five is is actually a very nice speed to listen to it at. So at that, it's it's only three hours. All right, so Adam put up with a lot here today. He deserves a full-on ad, right? I want you to go to diatribe.org. It's D-I-A-T-R-I-B-E.org. First of all, it's an amazing place to get type 1 diabetes news, like really well-researched diabetes news. But beyond that, when you get there, go to the search bar, type Bright Spots Audiobook, and you're going to get a link to listen to Adam's book for free. You can also find the book on Amazon.com. As you heard Adam talking about, you can get a hard copy of it for just a few dollars. Get it on your Kindle reader. You can get a PDF of it. There are so many to choose from. I want to thank you guys for listening and, you know, putting up with my rambling. I want to thank Omnipod, Dexcom, and Dancing for Diabetes for sponsoring the show. Please go to juiceboxpodcast.com. The link's in your show notes or myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox dexcom.com forward slash juicebox dancing the number four diabetes.com to find out more about the wonderful sponsors in just two weeks i'll be back with more diabetes pro tip episodes with jenny smith and jenny and i have been talking about you know maybe doing some more together Ooh, now you're wondering what that means aren't you <laughs>